20 down, 81 to go. It's not bad. So far, so good. Hello, and welcome to the Silent White Podcast. We're your hosts, Claire. And Chris. And if you're new to us, we're a married couple, childless, not by choice, and we're on a mission to find 101 different types of loss and grief to see if it's possible to find good, hope, or even joy in every kind of loss. And in this summary episode, having reached loss number 20, we're reflecting back on our second batch of 10 losses. We did a similar thing with the first 10 losses in episode 11, so you can check that episode out too if you haven't already. It's a great cheat way to get an overview of the podcast without having to listen to all of it. So yeah, we see you future guests trying to get a feel for us. Sneaky people. Only 81 losses to go. It feels a bit less daunting than 91 last time. And here are the voices behind losses 11 through to 20. I am... Virginia Solomons. As a child, I was in a fire. That has led to me losing who I was. And I realized that I was actually a limited edition and people didn't know how to react. I'm John Platt. I'm an environmental journalist and the editor of The Revelator, focusing on the extinction crisis. I'm here to talk about what we lose when we lose species from this planet. My name is Alina. This time last year, I had a husband and a new baby, but now I have neither. Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Chris. And since we've been married... We've lost a dog... A rabbit... And a comedian. Hi, everyone. My name is Marilia Simpson, and we are going to talk about the loss of my dream job of being a British soldier and serving the Queen. My name is Diana Tohar, and I lost myself through parenting a young child with cancer. I'm Lori, and I've lost the dream of motherhood through multiple miscarriages. My name is Katie Joy Duke. I experienced the devastating loss of my firstborn daughter, Poppy Annabelle, when she was stillborn at full term. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Leon. I lost my son, John Paul Raphael, after only 28 hours and 10 minutes of life to trisomy 18. Hi, my name's Sean John O'Johnson. I want to talk about some of the friends that I've lost through suicide. So the last 10 we did also included another episode from us on the loss of pets. Do you think we'll manage to slip our own episode of loss in with every round 10? I don't see why we can't try. (laughs) And then we also did our first small series of episodes all around one area of loss. Which just makes me realise how much that the more we explore and dig into particular losses, the more we have to stop ourselves painting these whole areas of loss with one big, broad brushstroke because they're so individual, they're so specific, they're so personal. Yeah, and the great thing about having our own podcast is that we can make decisions about whether they count as a separate loss or one loss for our 101 losses list. So, I mean, it's an impossible task in some (laughs) respects, but I'm going to separate them all out and maybe we'll end up with like a a 1,001 losses. Okay, well, we're averaging 42 silent white episodes a year. And then there's the Let's Chat episodes, your blog posts. So it'll take us around 23 years, <laughs> which would put me and you how old? Uh, retirement, let's yeah, say. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the rest of our working life sorted. Let's just try and get to 101 first. Yeah, yeah, okay. So what's been like your main takeaway, do you think, from the last 10 episodes? Well, not 10 episodes, sorry, last 10 losses. The thing I find really fulfilling about doing this podcast that just absolutely fills my tank is deep conversation. I think the more people we speak to and then the feedback we get from them after the recordings that we do and the time we spend with them is just this oh this collective almost yeah outbreath of it you know, it's good to talk. 
Mm. It was a very famous British advert for a telephone company way back in the 90s, was it? Yeah. And the slogan was, it's good to talk. Uh, and we've lost that to a degree. I think we talk a lot, but how much sense do we make in those conversations that we have? Do we talk to a level that actually connects human to human, heart to heart? And this podcast, I find absolutely we're doing that and it just feels really good. Yeah, and we really enjoy those kind of deep conversations and I think we'd say we're good at them having spoken to other people and realised how hard some people find it. So I like to think that even if people can't have these kind of conversations themselves, if they don't know where to go when chatting to someone who's been through a big loss, they can listen into our conversations and either learn how to do it or just learn about people and losses from a comfortable way of just being in their, their home or their car and just doing it kind of vicariously through us. Certainly. I think Virginia Solomons was, well, actually, she was the first one that we spoke to with multiple languages involved, wasn't she? Yes, that was exciting. But we heard from her in Afrikaans, and she also introduced herself in in Chosa. I've I've not pronounced that correctly. Uh, But just her talking as well as she did, as as passionately as she did in episode 15, about not just her experience, but how she's had to parent her two children through their own school stuff with friends, sort of teasing them about having a mum with heavily scarred skin. And then similarly with John Platt, very different subject, talking about the loss of a species rather than something sort of deeply personal in terms of experience, but talking on behalf of the experience of, I guess, a whole global community of scientists and nature lovers uh, of what the impact that has on him personally when we lose a species. As you say, just to tap into his room, his personal space, and give him the opportunity to share those feelings, those emotions, uh, was just yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, and it's opened up a whole new area of loss which is people who deal with loss on a daily basis with their jobs, which is something I haven't really fully thought about. I thought about extinction, which is why we contacted him in the first place. We're like, oh, we'd like to speak to What does it feel like when you're battling against a a situation that is possibly too big for you to kind of help in any way? And then it made me think about all the other jobs that people deal with with loss, whether it's emergency services or medical, you know, there's lots of areas, funeral directors, pathologists, I don't know, all these different people who deal with different types of loss um I want to open those up as well coming on and that kind of helped introduce me to that and I think with Virginia it was fascinating I mean I just loved her episode anyway because there was so much wisdom there but I remember when we asked her what do you think the loss is what what is your loss and it was worldly beauty which is so sad and so heartbreaking but that was the loss that she felt she wasn't beautiful in the eyes of the world and I think it really was a lovely episode to portray how beauty is so much more than skin deep. And um, I think that really came across through how she was speaking, how she's parenting and how she's helping other parents with children who've got scars. It was just, yeah, lovely. I loved that one. Yeah, me too. Um, And I think doing these recordings as well, having these conversations, one thing that we've found is that everyone we speak to Yes, we we have them talking about a loss, but they all have multiple losses that they refer to during the episode Mm. that quite often they'll say that, you know, this is one of the big ones for me, but also I lost this or that when I was earlier age or different stage of life. Uh, So quite often you, you find, yes, we're sort of sharing that message that, you know, you're not defined by one loss necessarily, but sometimes there can be three or four that roll into each other or all sort of recognising that they can impact life in different ways. Um, but each person can generally sort of identify within their life where there have been losses that have caused them pain or grief or they've had to navigate through or around or whatever it may be. 
Yeah, and I think loss of self is something that's come up when we've, when we've spoken to a lot of people. When we said, what do you think your loss is? Loss of self has been mentioned. And we've steered away from it sometimes as a title for an episode because it's a tricky one because we're trying to keep to losses that you can't get back again that are permanent. And loss of self can be something that people can regain. But we're also coming across people who are saying, this is what I lost and there's no way I'm getting that back again. So for episode 21 with Diana... We actually put that into the title for the first time because she said that her loss of self through parenting a young child with cancer had been such a permanent change in who she was. She could never go back. There wasn't really any other way of putting it. So that was the first time we put that in the title. Um, And again, it's come up many times when we speak to people, there's this loss of self attached with all the other losses that people are going through, which is a really interesting thing because I hadn't really thought about it that much before we started. And with Diana, one thing that we've gained is a love of her artwork. We have. I love her artwork on Instagram. It's so colourful, so that, joyful. That that whole outlet of art comes up time and time again. That different, not just art necessarily with paint and paper or sort of mixed textiles, whatever it may be, but so often individuals who are having to process something have some positive story of how they've been helped by something creative, creative channeling, yeah. you know, some, doing something with your hands, with your head to distract you while you're processing or having to think about stuff. That That's just such a, a common story. It's a different part of the brain. And I think when I spoke to um, Colleen Crary on PTSD, over the last sort of 12 episodes or so, she said that actually doing art and creativity, it helps you process things. It has sort of access as a part of the brain that you're doing something different, which allows the other part, I don't know the technical terms she did, um, to work through what you're going through and put things in place and in order. And so often we're finding people have got different hobbies or outlets, very often creative, that help them deal with the grief and work through it and process it and that's been something that's been really fascinating. Even like Alina, when we spoke to her about loss of her family um, in episode 18, she was, she's was she got her own podcast that she started with another mum who went through something similar. And even that is a form of creativity that helps you work through process. And it's really interesting to, to see how people use these different things. I think an area of creativity we see come out a lot is writing, which I'm very passionate about. So it's lovely to see people putting their stories down especially the guests we've interviewed from the US and Canada. There's, there's been some real lovely stories of people like Laurie, Katie and Elizabeth all kind of putting their stories into memoirs. To put it out there, it helps you process, go through the emotions. And I'd encourage people to write about what they're going through, even if it's not anything to do with a book and you just bin it or burn it straight afterwards. There's something about writing, I think. In fact, last week with Katie Elliott, she said that she actually writes letters to herself. So she writes and then she replies on behalf of herself as well because she finds that helps her really process what she's going through and work out the sort of things she'd say to a friend rather than the inner critique we have that can be very critical. And as you said at the time that we recorded with Alina as well, that she'd recognised probably nobody else in the world would have a story of loss like she has. And then I think we said in the introduction to that episode that, yeah, we completely agree with her. Yeah, very, very unique. Husband came out as transgender and lost her baby to SIDS. And how amazing that the way she was processing it and talking about it. And again, just one of those conversations that's been so valuable to have that other people wouldn't necessarily know what to say to somebody in that situation. So the fact we can open that up and say, look, this is what people going through this sort of thing are feeling. This is what they're thinking. This is how they want to be spoken to. I just think it's it's just so valuable. And she's doing the same thing, you know, through all the conversations and podcasts she's having as well. It just opens up an area that's quite closed off. Half a dozen episodes later, we did this mini-series of three 
of losses of children or babies uh, at different stages, which again, just to come back to what we were saying a few minutes ago, really highlighted to me how you know we have to be so careful about steering clear of these broad brushstrokes of loss of a baby is the same from one parent from one family to another parent or family that it's it's not there are so many so many little details that can be different in those different circumstances and situations so many highs so many lows and joys and sorrows that again that message we can't sort of shout it loud loudly enough that to really connect with someone and care and take an interest you have to dig into the personal experience and really ask them you know what was that like because their experience of the loss of something will be very different to somebody else that's lost the same thing or a slightly different circumstances so you know don't don't assume anything um, when you're having a conversation with someone that's lost something even if you've had the same loss you know their experience of it might be wildly different to yours and the value of sharing from other people's losses as well so I never thought that sort of being childless then talking to somebody who'd lost a baby would be something that would be would be valuable experience to me because you sort of think it's a completely different journey. And yet the more we spoke to them and the more I looked at how they were processing things, the more it helped me work through some of our grief and realising that, yeah, it is very different. And we like we said, you should never compare griefs. But at the same time, we're mourning the loss of a child and the birthday parties and the ages they would have been and the clothes we would have dressed them in and the parties we would have taken them to and the way we would have parented them and the way they would have spoken to us and the laughter we would have had. It's the same sort of losses, it's just that they can picture what that would have looked like with a certain child they might have seen or not, and we can't. And it's a, it's a, that's really helped me process a lot of what we're going through. And I don't know if a lot of people would recognise that. They would possibly stay away from other people with losses that are different in that respect, thinking, oh, no, that's very different. But actually, you can learn a lot from other people. And I'm learning from every single episode how to better process and work through our grief with childlessness in ways that I never thought I would be able to. So I hope people are really picking up on that. And rather than thinking, oh, this episode interests me because I've been through it, I'll listen to it. Actually, there's so much you can learn from all of the different losses about your own loss and how to work through it like a smash pile like a smash pile everybody <laughs> should have a smash episode pile. 26 elizabeth leon introduced us to the idea of a smash pile yeah i won't go into details check that episode i think it says out. what it does on the tin but it's it sounds very valuable you've pointed out a few things to me and picked up and said this would be good for a smash pile yeah. it's like okay we don't have we don't have the designated area and the safety goggles to have a smash pile at our house yet no, not yet not yet next house i'm going to look for spaces outside for smash piles we might get there and in this country as well in england our our queen uh well not just england other other her. countries in no i'm not going to throw <laughs> the queen okay. um but she's not getting any younger uh, she has bound out of a number of episodes, a number of episodes, a num- <laughs> number of events. I don't think we ever invited her, to be fair. Not yet, no. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Marilia Simpson, episode number 20, was such a passionate fan of the Queen growing up as a child in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, so, yeah, we we must get in touch with Marilia um, and just say, look, when we get the sad news that the Queen uh, has died, then we'll get her back on to talk about the loss of, of the Queen. I'm curious as to your thought process from smash piles to the Queen dying. There is no process. There's no process. No, <laughs> it's just how my brain works. <laughs> Moving yes. swiftly on. But yes, with Marilia, I think it's worth just mentioning that that was the first episode we had where someone sang for us, which was really, even though it was across, obviously, the internet and recording, so I'd imagine if you were there in person, it would have been even more impactful. But 
Um, it was really moving, and I loved that we finished that episode with her singing Amazing Grace, which was really special. So, But that passion of singing, again, another creative outlet, sort of, I think she said, has kept her alive. That sort of being able to sing when she was um, under some rubble in an explosion, what kept her alive was singing. A song came to her mind, and that's what she sang, and she thought, that's how they'll find me, and that's what's helped her get through. And uh, that was a really beautiful episode to hear about how someone goes from the brink of wanting to end their own life through to this joy of singing and hope. And she's been on our local TVs and radio and see her around every now and then doing stuff, which is really cool. It's that creative thing again. It's that finding beauty in the sort of most unexpected places. The rubble. In the rubble. Finding joy, finding beauty in the rubble. Absolutely. And then we spoke to another veteran in episode 27 when we spoke to Sean, who was talking about the tragic situation of losing veterans to suicide, which is a a bigger issue than I think any of us realised. And I think I pointed out on social media that we've spoken to three ex-military people now and all of them talked about in the podcast um, either attempting it or wanting to take their life which has been really eye-opening and I think really valuable and for me has just confirmed how important these sorts of conversations are and how amazing it is we have a platform that we can open up to people who have such important messages that most of us probably didn't know about. Because I don't know if I would think if I heard someone coming out of the military that I would think about what a hard time they're having once they get back on Civvy Street. But now I feel more aware of that and hopefully a lot of other people do too. That's a massive topic. Um, across the world certainly you sign up to one form of life and that doesn't necessarily just need to be a military service it could just be a a job or a a role and then things go drastically wrong and it's like well am I prepared for um, this this sudden change you know I've had I've had loads of training in one area now suddenly it's sort of out the window yeah so yeah fascinating to hear from, from Sean and again creative using art talking all sorts music acting yep to help him and others process um, the trauma, things seen, unseen. It's been a good variety so far in our first 20. I'm really um, encouraged. And I know that we have desires to get it to get the variety even bigger because initially we knew we were going to be focusing on a lot of human relationship, human losses, um, but there's a lot of other losses in the world that don't involve human life or relationships. So we're excited about broadening that out over the next yeah. 81. Yeah, 81 to go. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a big number <laughs> at all. Many years to go. Uh, we'll end this episode with the summary of the Hermans, the Hermontage. Hermontage. Uh, Herm- Hermans being sort of the way that we answer, we, the way that we finish every episode with every guest that we speak to in The Silent Why. Uh, what's your Herman? And if you have no idea what that is, you can go to thesilentwhy.com slash Herman. Let's hear it for the Hermontage. My Herman is in any situation whether you look at yourself or you look at anybody else what's right with you is the starting point and what's wrong with you or what the world sees as wrong with you is beside the point my herman i mean you talk about it being something you're supposed to nurture and carry with you and carry on to other people and i think it's the fact that as much pain as we can experience through the, through the extinction crisis. There are positive stories to tell and solutions, and it's important to tell those. I'm still here. I'm still alive. You know, and as long as I'm living, I, I want to make sure that I'm not letting this ruin my life. And I don't think Quinn would want that either. He, he wouldn't want his loss to make 
my life ruined, even though it is, of course, worse. I think for me, it would be around crying. So to recognize that, guys, it's all right to cry. It's all right to shed a tear. My Herman, I would say, just give yourself enough time to grieve a pet and not feel like you have to get over it really quickly. What's my Herman? I want to say that as long as you have life, there is hope. That would be my Herman. I think I would say that, you know, what happened to me really amplified how fleeting this life is. And so finding the joy, and I, I know it sounds like a total cliche, but really, I think my Herman would be the joy I find in the littlest of things now. So I think it, it does come back to that, like accepting that your story is unique and that that's where your joy will be found is finding out how you've been created, that you have that specific path in, in life that's meant just for you. So my Herman is my memoir. My memoir was a labor of love and it is a gift to both my daughters, to my husband, to myself, and, and to anybody that wants to understand what it's like for someone to go through this experience. I think my Herman is something we touched on just a moment ago, is that somehow in a miracle, a miraculous way, don't understand the worst thing and the best thing are sometimes the same thing. There is hope, it would be my passing of, and there's proof of that hope as well. So always remember, no one is ever alone, and light is greater than the darkness. We're really thankful you're joining us on this journey to find 101 different losses, and that wherever you are, whatever you're going through, uh, our growing Silent Y family is hopefully offering you some form of encouragement and company. If you want to find out more about Claire and myself or our story with childlessness, visit the website or check out episode three of the podcast where we discuss our infertility. And if you're enjoying these episodes regularly, let us know, either by getting in touch via the website or following us on social media. We post every new episode on there, as well as images of some of our guests and life in the podcast world. So if you only listen on a podcast player and you want to see some of our guests and what they look like, then head over to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn. And this is a direct command. If you have a podcast app that allows you to rate or review podcasts like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, there are others as well. Uh, do give us a rating, do give us a review. It's so helpful to get these podcasts in front of other people. So do that now. <laughs> and also in other exciting news, we're posting the audio of these podcasts now onto YouTube. It's part of a trial that Claire's getting involved in. How's it going? Yeah, it's all right. You can't see our faces. I want to point that out in case anyone's going over to be nosy. I'm not that clever yet, but you can hear the audio. So if you use YouTube on your smart telly or your phone um, and you want to subscribe that way, please do and tell your friends, your family. And to end this episode, we're finishing with some words by veteran and author John Holmes. Don't Google him. No, it turns out on first Googling of John Holmes, he's a pornographic film star. <laughs> so here's a quote from veteran and author John Holmes. There is no exercise better for the heart than reaching down and lifting people up. Thank you.